Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Start Ed Up podcast. Today, I have on two people. Dr. John Kao has been on the show before. He is the CEO and founder of Edgemakers. Uh, but we also have on Dr. Gina Cherkowski, and the two of them have formed STEM Learning Labs. Uh, matter of fact, just back in March of 2019. And we're going to talk a lot about innovation, but also what it means, not just the um, the window dressing, the buzzwords, but you know how schools are really starting to embrace this now. And it was great because I, I was actually, um, I wasn't going to say the negative Nancy, but I, you know, I, I've seen some schools dance around this and, and they have a really unique approach that I think that a lot of schools will be interested in. So if you're a teacher and you've had some interest in, you know, bringing some design and innovation curriculum and you want to have more of a STEM or STEAM approach, I think this is a podcast for you. So I think you're going to enjoy this one. Also, the way we grow is, and really one of the reasons why we found these two is because of recommendations. So when you guys reach out and you let us know that, hey, Dr. Tchaikovsky and Dr. K.O., they should need to be on the show, then we oblige. So moral story is please keep those recommendations coming. They're the lifeblood of the show, as is recommendations, shares, and also star ratings on the iTunes. That is awesome for us as well. All right, let's get right down to it. I think you're going to love this one. Dr. John K.O., Dr. Gina Cherkowski. All right, welcome back to another edition of the Started Up podcast. Today, I am... I have a guest that's a repeat that guest, John K.O., uh, but I also have on today Gina Cherkowski as well. The Edgemakers team is now starting to make some really interesting jumps. So, John, let's start off right off the bat. Last time we had met, you told us uh, a lot about Edgemakers and uh, all the things you guys were doing. Tell us about some of the latest uh, things you've been working on and how Gina is um, you're partnering up. Well, the big news is that uh, we have partnered with Gina and with her company, STEM Learning Laboratories, which is a leader in STEM education uh, focused primarily on uh, Canada, uh, at least for the moment. And the reason for this is that um, I think there was a general feeling that by integrating uh, what Edgemakers uh, started off as, which is an innovation learning company, with uh, STEM and with all that um, STEM is in terms of, uh, you know, the ability to manipulate physical objects to learn about uh, uh, acquire skills like uh, coding and uh, making robots and material science, 3D printing, things of that kind, that we would have a very uh, interesting and, and uh, world-leading uh, blended uh, offering, which we're calling STEM 2.0, that would uh, not only uh, kind of point a direction for where STEM needs to go, but also lay the groundwork for what we believe is essential learning experiences that I think the market is beginning, which is the need for innovation learning. So catching up with the, uh, the market need for innovation learning. I couldn't agree more. Uh, so Gina, tell us, I mean, how did this all happen? Did, had, you known, had you known John's work prior to, or did you get an introduction? So I got an introduction from a mutual friend who was actually on a board, an education board with me in Canada. And that's when I actually started doing some research. And I really loved um, 
the work that John was doing in creating people who are more entrepreneurial, who are more innovative thinkers and uh, building their creative capacities. But I also was really intrigued that underpinning it all was the need for social emotional skill development. And I think uh, John and I share a lot of passion to educate youth and equip them with the skills they need tomorrow, which includes STEM and innovation, but it also is the critical uh, pieces such as social emotional learning capacities as well, which allows them to participate and engage in the world and contribute in a way um, that, that's helping drive things forward. So for example, STEM is really important, but STEM for a purpose uh, that's creating people who can collaborate and create new knowledge together is really powerful. So I think that's really exciting for me why merging with John and putting our curriculum and our ideas and our teams together is sort of very trendsetting and very important. Yeah, absolutely. How, like how, back, how far back are you guys going? What grades are you aiming for to begin with? Um, well, at STEM Learning Lab, traditionally, we've actually worked with um, as early as three years old, and we've done everything from what I call K to A, kids to adults. We do predominantly work um, with the K-12, but also there's um, Edgemakers curriculum is also working with university level students as well. So we're actually going into the adult field. That's awesome. Because I, I, one of my mentors and, and somebody I really look up to uh, is Tina Selig at Stanford, and she has a um, basically a technology ventures program. Essentially what she does is she's kind of got a crash course on creativity and innovation for <laughs> high-functioning engineers at Stanford. And while I love that, I'm like, okay, that's cool, but they're in college. You know, the, the need to get to them sooner <laughs> would be priority one. And so it sounds like that's exactly what you guys are, are, are doing. For those, of those, for those of us that haven't um, maybe caught the, the first podcast, I get to John. John, y- you guys kind of have a, a unique perspective and method. As a matter of fact, I was thing I was really impressed with is that at, during the podcast, your son sat down with us too, and um, I will always, always <laughs> I, I always like it when I'm working with people if if their kids aren't living and breathing what mom and dad are perpetuating, then uh, then you know that uh, you're either astray or right on it. And of course, your son was spot on. In in your work as a, both of a parent and as an educator, how have you seen things changed in the new digital age? And why is it more important now to, you know, have this focus on creativity and innovation? Well, in the industrial era, which is really the legacy that feeds into much of what passes for education today, the goal was to acquire knowledge and be able to demonstrate the acquisition on tests so that you could be evaluated and plugged into uh, very objective, uh, standardized employment tracks. And Today, everything is different. You know, the world of employability is um, up for grabs. Uh, people are estimating that uh, uh, a, a young person may have um, uh, a plethora of, of jobs, many of which can't even be identified or, or, or described today uh, because the pace of innovation uh, and the pace of disruption is so uh, rapid that uh, it, you know, instead of acquiring point skills, you have to acquire the capacity to be able to define your your own pathway. So in the old days, it was less important to be creative and it was more important to be precise and analytical and to be able to color within the lines. Now, uh, especially in an era which uh, values entrepreneurs and values entrepreneurial behavior inside existing companies, 
uh, the ability to generate ideas, uh, to develop them, to work with people who are different than you, to be able to tell compelling narratives about those ideas, to attract support and uh, collaboration, uh, to be able to use the techniques of design thinking, and to, above all, be able to think and act like an entrepreneur. These are the gold standard uh, skills, and, and they're not the skills that tend to be taught in school, at least not explicitly. They may, they may come through implicitly if you have some school-based activity, but the whole thrust of edge makers has been to make those skills uh, explicit and objective, and then to provide learning pathways where uh, people can acquire them and teachers can actually participate in uh, imparting them. This is for either John or Gina. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And matter of fact, one of the things that I've struggled with is that when I talk to school leaders, these very things you talked about, they all nod their heads and say, yes, it's important. But when it comes right down to it, a lot of parents think that innovation and creativity are feely, touchy things that equate to not much. As long as my kid aces the SAT, everything's fine, right? And I'm like, no. So how, how are you guys convincing more school leaders and more parents that we're in this innovation age and not in the old days of tradition of making sure your son or daughter memorizes the test? I think uh, we're seeing um, schools, school districts, uh, and countries around the world change their education systems and uh, look at new ways to increase student capacity. This is the whole push behind what we're calling 21st century competencies, critical thinking, creativity, collaboration, communication. So we're seeing a lot of that um, in the lexicon and in the research and education. And we're now seeing school systems start to embrace these competencies as new ideas and key drivers moving forward. And I think um, some of the work that we're excited about doing is having students use technology and innovative thinking to solve uh, complex problems, but those problems are still uh, mathematized. They still connect to core competencies in terms of curriculum. And uh, we've had some successful outcomes where students are still learning what I would call core key skills, particularly when study we did was in mathematics. They're able to pass a standardized test with high success rate, um, yet doing a more complicated problem-solving strategy as opposed to a traditional instruction piece. There's been this embrace of STEM and STEAM, and uh, and it's important, absolutely important. But because it has the science and math, you know, titles, a lot of teachers are willing to say, okay, these things are important. The innovation, creativity, collaboration, communication. Again, I'm just, I'm always seeming like we're we're fighting these battles against, uh, you know, well, though that's touchy feely stuff. And, and I think that that's why this merger is kind of unique and interesting is that, you know, John's Edge Makers is, you know, he's obviously gotten some serious traction and it's awesome and, and he has processes. But it, I, I still see this, this hesitancy of, you know, is this going to really make them pass the state standardized test? But with a STEM, you know, learning lab attached to this, I, I'm assuming that's iron sharpening iron, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But um, how we're defining STEM is uh, the way that we're creating sustained interdisciplinary thinkers who can leverage science, technology, as well as, you know, engineering. But that that sustained way of thinking to solve problems, even though it's tied to core competencies, requires a student who is innovative 
and can think creatively. And uh, in addition to that, they're like an entrepreneur. They're creating something that will add value um, to the world when they come up with the solution that they're thinking about. And, you know, we ha- like I said, we've, we're starting to do the work where we're looking at how does that transfer on a traditional test. But I would like to push the boundaries there and say, what do we really want our students to be good at it? It's what John opened up with saying today is, you know, our roots in the traditional education system um, that goes back to the industrial era. What do we need for tomorrow? How do we want to educate people? And so I think part of learning um, new skills in education requires also thinking about the world of what's the world going to look like? Who do we yes. need going forward? What kind of competencies are we really wanting? And maybe our assessments haven't caught up with that yet, but um, we definitely want to push that boundary and ask those big questions. No, absolutely. I, I, I think one of the most important things that, uh, that we need to touch on is that I, I, I try not to roll my eyes, but I'll go to conferences and they'll, they'll, every conference always says, you know, you know, 80% of the world's jobs that, you know, will be inhabited by, you know, the average kindergartner, those jobs haven't been invented yet. And you're like, okay, who invents those jobs? Kids mm-hmm. that sit away and wait for instructions, kids that are sit down and told to be quiet and memorize the stuff, or kids are allowed to experiment and, 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 and do the things that you've done. But then also those conversations of, those hard conversations of, uh, okay, what's going away? You know, you guys are starting to, I mean, you, you know, robotics, AI, uh, engineering design, 3D printing. I mean, you guys are on the cutting edge, which I value a lot but also conversations with our students of, okay, like let's look at seven years, 10 years into the future. What do you think might be disappearing? I think those conversations are valuable, especially for high school students. I think it's, you know, they need to start thinking hard about what they might be investing thousands of dollars in past high school. I think that it's never wise to uh, ask incumbents about what's going to happen in the future. And I think that, you know, the incumbents, whether they're educational institutions or um, educators who are invested in a particular point of view are going to be relatively slow to change or to recognize the current conditions out there. And, you know, really what we're talking about uh, is a paradigm shift and paradigm shifts, um, which involve fundamentally new ways of seeing the world don't happen overnight. And they tend to happen when there's a sufficient amount of evidence that um, tips the scale so that all of a sudden everybody uh, sees things differently. Uh, You only have to look at what CEOs uh, say uh, 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 is important in terms of new hires to realize that the the quote unquote real world out there actually prizes uh, creativity and entrepreneurship and initiative and uh, emotional intelligence. And that in the world that we live in now, the ability to um, interact with people different from you and to cross cognitive and um, demographic barriers to be able to collaborate effectively. I mean, these are really, uh, these are really the new fundamentals, if you will. Uh, so uh, we, we uh, obviously, you know, spend a fair amount of time uh, uh, in the persuasion process of getting people to see things differently. But we also recognize that in any paradigm shift, there are, there are early adopters who see the need clearly. There are people who are sort of middle of the road, and then there are people who are invested in the old order. And you know, the more we uh, invest in creating confirming evidence about our thesis, the more rapidly things will change. But it's not a rational um, situation where 
we just put the evidence on the table and people will say, oh, well, okay, we're, we're going to change. Change management, which is really what we're talking about in terms of the transformation of education, uh, is hard. It's a, it's a hard business. Extremely. Well, and and, and sometimes, and well, sometimes, rightfully so. I mean, when you're making drastic changes to, you know, some kid's outcome, I understand why, but I agree with you that um, the status quo sometimes is is tough to move. No, so if you're, let's just say like, and, and a decent amount of the audience is, is superintendents, principals, and teachers, if they're listening to this right now, and they're starting to consider, okay, what is Edgemakers? What is STEM Learning Lab? What is the merger? What are they, you know, what are you guys going to put out there to school districts? Gina, do you want to take that? Sure. Well, I think what we're talking about is we're talking about STEM 2.0, which we'd mentioned earlier. Um, we believe in the, the power of innovative thinking and when students are solving real world innovative or learning to innovate by solving real world problems, they're going to need to leverage technology. That's a very important key piece. But in some STEM uh, offerings, it's like learning code to learn coding or, you know, learn how to program a robot uh, just for the sake of learning to program a robot. Whereas if you're solving a multifaceted complex problem, you may be leveraging different technologies that suit the solution of that problem. So in the moment learning type thing. And I think um, that we're talking about STEM for a purpose. We're talking about sort of a human-centered driver for STEM education. And innovative thinking is a key part of that. So STEM can actually support the innovative cur curriculum that John has created when people want to learn a new technology to help shape a solution and drive it forward. Or the STEM programs that we offer, they certainly um, have the edge makers, uh, innovative thinking capacities built and woven in and throughout. Well, on the delivery system, though, are these uh, like PDFs or these video courses or these a combination thereof? Well, our asset base is pretty diverse. We have analog materials. We have digital materials. Um, you know, we have to acknowledge the fact that not everyone um, uh, is, is living in a, in a virtual learning uh, mode right now. Uh, so uh, uh, we, we actually, at the higher education level, have fully online uh, versions of our material. Uh, one of the reasons why this merger is so significant is because Gina has pioneered a number of uh, different and innovative distribution approaches that include after-school programs and weekend programs and camps and um, uh, business models that don't rely on uh, schools to uh, buy the program, but actually uh, put the uh, um, responsibility for sponsoring this on parents who are, you know, inclined anyway to give their kids a leg up and to uh, support uh, extracurricular or co-curricular learning. So um, there, there are a number of ways that people can access our experience. What we would say to schools and teachers is, you know, we've spent a lot of time, a lot of resources uh, developing coherent, sophisticated, end-to-end um, -end curriculum uh, offerings that um, uh, cumulatively are, uh, I think, invaluable to students. So uh, there is also the scenario of offering our materials in tr more traditional semester formats um, uh, and uh, even offering them in a series of formats uh, to, uh, you know, create a, a more powerful experience. That's awesome. I, I, I kind of got the indication that like some like homeschool networks and, and things of this is also uh, 
part of this, correct? Well, homeschool is not something we've uh, been terribly active uh, with yet, but, you know, in a way, there's nothing that says that our learning experience has to be only offered uh, within a uh, an institution called a a school. I mean, there are many options. Yeah, I, was, I was thinking of the, the yeah. The, there's there's a lot of cohorts uh, and and collaboratives there within the homeschool networks, and I I thought that maybe that's what you're talking about a little bit with with some of the parents that were interested in this. Um, well, really, go ahead. Um, we sort of have, you know, there's not a one size fits all. And I think that's what's really unique about our offerings are sometimes schools that we partner with um, ask us to provide extracurricular after school hours uh, programs for youth and it, right in their school for them. But it's after the school day. We're also invited to come in during the school day. And we have done a few little pilot projects with some homeschool um, students and, and actually provided coursework during the day just as a test market up in Canada. And so these are areas, you know, we're very lucky. We're very nimble. Uh, we're able to test things and, and take a look at what kind of model do different organizations uh, want. And, and so we... Yeah, we have multiple ways awesome. to deliver. And, and in some of your uh, earlier work, uh, Gina, what are also some of the stumbling blocks you've seen um, in, in starting to, to kind of roll out these, you know, cutting edge new labs? Well, I, you know, I think, I think what, what's happening is there's just a groundswell of people who are very interested in, and uh, want exceptional programming for their kids in the area of app development, coding, robotics. Um, and so I think, you know, we can provide sort of world-class elite curriculum in that area, but that underpins the values of innovative thinking, creativity, entrepreneurship. Um, I, I think it's, it's being able to meet the demand. Um, John and I just are merging, so we're figuring out um, what are the next steps in terms of where are we going next? Um, so there's a lot really that we're still looking at. We're, um, we're in the process of, as you were talking about earlier, uh, collaborating and then building a new model where two organizations who have like-minded values and, and a strong belief in moving the education world forward are coming together and making a new plan together. Um, so we're, we're still in the middle of all of that. Big things are on the horizon for sure. Yeah. Speaking of which, John, uh, obviously, when you started looking at this merger, what is what is the thing that excited you most about where you guys are, are headed uh, here in the next, let's say, two to three years? Well, I think we're uh, within a striking distance of creating a new standard for STEM, uh, and STEM 2.0, we believe, will uh, be adopted by current uh, providers of uh, STEM learning in their educational institutions. And for newcomers to STEM, we believe that um, uh, this will help them to leapfrog into what is contemporary. Uh, and then for those that are interested in an innovation or an entrepreneurship course, we check off that box as well. So mm -hmm. I, I am excited about the idea that we are going to create a standard uh, that will be widely adopted and that will demonstrate its value, not just in terms of helping uh, students to think uh, differently or think better, but also will um, begin to influence uh, uh, important variables like learning outcomes and employability and progression mm -hmm. to higher education and, and others. Gina, same question. 
you know what? I just, I absolutely agree with John. Uh, I think we're both on the very same page there and very excited about that opportunity to set a standard. Yeah. So I've often found that uh, some of my favorite educators had that origin point in, in the sense that they had, they had that one teacher or maybe as a collection, uh, but your, your life as a learner, uh, how does that reflect uh, in your experience? How does that reflect now where you guys are going? And, and, and feel free to drop a favorite teacher's name if you want. You know, school was a really, I loved going to school and, and I'm from a background where I had parents as educators. So my dad was a sort of a math teacher, high school math teacher, and my mom was a special education teacher. And so I learned a lot from both of them. Um, one of the biggest things I learned from my mom is that all brains learn differently and need to access knowledge in certain ways in order to make it make sense to them and then to be able to apply that knowledge moving forward. And um, my dad's mathematical background helped me in lots of ways really see and understand patterns and connections in the world. And I just, I grew up uh, when I became a math teacher, believing that all students had the capability to learn math high levels, yet I wasn't educated as a teacher. I wasn't equipped with all the tool set that I would have needed in order to actually have that outcome happen. So I think um, I'm, I'm actually at the National Council of Teachers of Mathematics Conference now stepping out to do this session, but we're still looking at math as a social justice piece. And I do believe that STEM and STEAM have the power to equip so many students with the mathematical capacities that they need. If we uh, don't just forget about the M in STEM, I think it's critical. It's the gateway. But I think the bigger piece for mathematics education is learning how to think in new ways, learning how to solve complex problems. And that's what I love about the power of STEM and STEAM education, especially when we're adding music and the arts in there. I do believe that has massive capacity, like the capacity building that we could have for mathematics and mathematical knowledge. Uh, we can learn a lot from the arts and people who tend to, to be good at arts actually have high capabilities to be mathematical problem solvers. We just need to show them new ways and new strategies. So I, I believe uh, wholeheartedly in STEM and STEAM education. I think we're forging that way and uh, innovative thinking is one of the big important things that students need because we need to think interdisciplinary. Um, so even though Absolutely. math is a core component, we need to connect it to other parts of the world to solve problems. That's the one thing that I that's really resonated through this conversation, which I appreciate so much, John and Gina. I, it's not... It's not in separate boxes. It's, you know, you guys are looking to not just enhance STEM curriculum, STEAM curriculum, or as you said, STEM 2.0, but you're, you're wanting to cross-pollinate. You're wanting to solve problems. You're wanting to look at issues and not just for the sense of math or for the sake of, we're getting a lot of feedback, John. Is that... Okay, you guys are, are you, you guys are looking to to you know solve these problems and issues, and I think that's that's what's so interesting to me is, you know, we're hitting this critical mass of, um, you know, what does it mean to go to college? I think it's been so interesting to watch this crisis of people buying their way in, in, into schools, and yet the focus on on that story was just good SAT scores, right, or or just good you know standardized test scores, and and what's really at issue here, as you guys were addressing, is this need to solve problems, authentic problems. And I, and I think that's what's mm. so exciting to me moving forward is that as a person that's been in this and, and has been teaching a wacky innovation class and sometimes people roll their eyes or sometimes people think, oh, it's important. It's that blending of 
problem solving authentically and getting our students engaged, not for the glory of academia, but for the glory of making things better. And, and I applaud you both for being pioneers and then, um, you know, partnering up and, and, and you know, accomplishing things uh, at a probably a, a double speed. Well, thank you for the kind words. John, no, absolutely. Uh, John, uh, last, last points. Um, you've now been in this field as I was kind of going off on a monologue on this new battle we're fighting, right? And, and this, hey, innovation has to be taken seriously. Um, final thoughts on, on how more schools that have never thought about this stuff, right? Have there, like, is, I, there's just so many schools that are just still interested in, in the like traditional ways. Your final plea to, hey, we've really got to, we really got to get this moving. This is the new way to go. Well, you know, in 1957, we had uh, this uh, crisis around John, the Soviet Union uh, launched Sputnik and we um, engaged in a national freakout about how we were falling behind in science and technology. And so our country invested heavily in all kinds of uh, new government and uh, also private sector initiatives. And I think that there, there are a lot of reasons why uh, there will be uh, a, a motivation towards um, the kind of skill sets that Edgemakers is about. But I, I also think that explicitly we're we're on the threshold of another kind of Sputnik moment, which is uh, the AI race and the mm -hmm. perception that China is ahead of the United States in AI, uh, that there's global competition around innovation uh, is going to cause government leaders uh, sooner or later to wake up and to say um, the kind of skills that uh, we are talking about are necessary in a, a kind of a, an innovation-driven age. And we're not in the in industrial era anymore. And uh, if we don't get it, we're going to fall behind. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. Yeah, that's great. And that's, it's so incredibly true. And I think that we are in this race against time. And, and my fear is, is that some, you know, academia itself moves really slow and it's not moving at the speed of AI. But um, luckily there's there's, you know, organizations and great people out there like you guys, hopefully, you know, really leading the way. So I, I applaud your guys' effort. Uh, thank you so much for, for getting a, a hold of me, uh, this new merger. I'm really excited about it. Um, any places they can go to, any places you want them to check out after the podcast, where can they start? Well, I think the, the best place to start is uh, on our website. And then if uh, people have uh, further questions, they're welcome to contact Gina or myself. Absolutely. And I'll have those in the, the program descriptions, uh, social media sites that we should know of or just stick to the website and, and the emails. Uh, uh, you website. can also follow us on Twitter and uh, uh, LinkedIn. Okay, very good. All right. Well, John and Gina, thank you so much for being on our show. I sincerely appreciate all the work you're doing and the continued success moving forward. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much.